everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am going to ask Danica a question about something she's really passionate about. Then I'm going to shut up for 40 minutes and just let her talk. So let's try this t- new tactic for today. Danica, movement's not very important, is it? Nah, not really. Cool. Great episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate you checking in with us. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Okay. Alternate universe answer is mm-hmm. yes. Why? Why is it so important? Okay. Movement is essential for every single human being on this planet. And why is that? For many, many, many different reasons. It's such a multifaceted answer, but on a very base level, it is good for you always, no matter who you are. Tell me how you went from someone who was, you know, making excuses to get out of PE or sport class to doing yoga five times a week, a yoga teacher, and now studying movement for a living and the body for a living. Yeah. So look, when I was younger, I did like swimming lessons and I... How long for? I don't know, man. Until I was like five or six. From when when did you start? Like uh, when I was two or three. So very young. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I did like three or four years of swimming lessons. I used to uh, run around and just rollerblade and ride my bike and stuff like that but then through primary school and high school just by my very nature not being a very competitive person and not being particularly coordinated I still am not um it's not changed at all yeah and you know there's always a real focus on like team sports and that type of thing so um and also in school I felt like you were either a sporty kid or you weren't and the focus was always on helping the sporty kids get better at what they're doing, not necessarily um, introducing non-sporty kids to the love of and joys of movement. Mm. Um, so anyway, I, 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 you know, I was, I used to run a bit in high school and stuff like that, but that was more like, I guess more mental health and like body image related. Mm. Uh, and I wasn't really, yeah, that was, that was all I did. And then when I left high school, I kind of had really bad mental health and I had definitely no relationship to my body and my, and my health and well-being, and did not, um, link up physicality and mental health until, you know, my psychologist at the time suggested to me when I was maybe 18 years old, uh, suggested to me that I should try yoga. And I looked up a local yoga studio, which is, uh, still the yoga teacher studio that I teach at to this day. Um, and I, I went to a few yoga classes and I had never experienced anything like it where there was absolutely no sense of, um, competition. (laughs) You know, everyone was there to very much do their own thing. And the teacher was supportive and instructed really, really clearly. And then the movements are really widely accessible to all body types and shapes. And, you know, yoga is not necessarily like that, but this beginner's class was like that. And, um, for the first time in my life, I felt, uh, like this mind body connection thing happened where in my first few yoga classes, I was having panic attacks and, um, Mm. my body was wigging out because it just didn't know what was going on where I was like all of a sudden, like syncing up my breath with my movement and feeling really, really good in, in my movement flow. And I was like, what the hell is this? I've never felt good while moving before. Like Mm. I've never really experienced pleasure from exercise before. And, um, it was like. I had never consciously regulated my nervous system. I had never been introduced to techniques of deep breathing and Mm. self-reflection. And yoga was the thing that really brought it together, right? Like the real introspective components, but also the the physical and 
exercise related components of movement. So from then on in, I um, eventually found martial arts. I just went to a local martial arts gym. I thought it would Mm. be really fun to try um, kickboxing. And I got into like Muay Thai, BJJ, MMA, all shit at, all of that except for Muay Thai. I was okay at Muay Thai. Um, but you I have used to, mammothly long limbs. Yeah, I did. Exactly. But I, I fell into movement, man. I, I was practicing yoga and martial arts. I was training five to six times a week. Um, you Can know. I ask you quickly? Yeah. When you mentioned before panic attacks. Yeah. How would you have panic attacks What in yoga class as a yeah, student? Yeah, like while, while practicing yoga. And I remember at one point at having, or a couple of times having to walk out of the class and just sort Whoa. of deep breathe. And de- 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 debrief. Debrief. <laughs> deep breathe. Deep breathe. Deep breathe. Reverse breath. <laughs> Too much breathing in one class. Yeah, Can pretty you, much. So um, what, was, what was causing that? Like what was the... I think my nervous system was just wigging out. It's like, man, what the hell's going on here? It's, it, this, it was just so foreign. And, um, mm. and like I said, like that was the first time that... I had consciously regulated my nervous system the only time in my life where I had um and like even like having those panic attacks arise and then going outside and like slowing down my breaths and really understanding that hey I have control yeah like I can can do something to affect this situation yeah I am influencing my state of being right now and then um so that's like a very common thing like also movement shifts things in the body. Right? It was the first time where all of this stagnant energy built up through my childhood and teenage years have finally had an opportunity to shift and move and flow. That must've felt amazing. God, like so much was coming like up. Letting... I remember sometimes ending oh. up in Shavasana, which is like the end of the yoga practice and just sobbing, just not knowing why, but I'm just sobbing. Tears are wow. streaming down my face. It just, now <laughs> that shit doesn't happen anymore, man. But like, oh, sometimes actually like, sometimes but um it was just shifting and moving so much because i had never Mm. thought of movement for me it's still to this day the pinnacle way for me to move my shit it is why i live and breathe movement now but just trying to uh, sort of like barrel through the rest of my story like yeah finding martial arts and really finding that like i could still keep shifting things in that way and then um really finding my self-confidence and my voice and all of that through movement and eventually doing my yoga teacher training and finding my, um, my, my self-expression really, really shone in that light. And I really enjoyed reflecting on the movement process and sharing that with others. And I found that I could do that very naturally. And then, um, and then, you know, and then my movement journey took a bit of a left turn and Mm. then, Let's come back to that in a minute. I have a couple okay. of questions. Yeah. How long were you doing yoga for before you went to, to teacher training? Um, good question. So I would say three to three and a half years of like at least three times a week yoga. And of that, of those three and a half years, when did you realize that, hey, I, I want to be a teacher? No, honestly, I didn't even... When I did my yoga teacher training, I kind of just did it because I loved it. But I was one day sitting outside the yoga studio in the reception area around the big table that used to be there with a bunch of yoga teachers and a bunch mm. of practitioners. And I'm sitting there chatting and one of the teachers said to me, like, Danica, why don't you do your yoga teacher training? And I'm like, I don't know. Why not? Why not? <laughs> you know, I don't have a good reason for you. Why not? Can Fair I just enough. do that? Is that just something I can do? And um, they're <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, of course. of course you can, you know? And for me, that yoga teacher training, like anyone who's, who's done YTT knows that it's a real beautiful opportunity to go deeper into your practice. Of course. And yeah. let me just say, like when I came out on the other end of that, I was a shit teacher. And I was a shit teacher for the next three years, I would say, because doing your YTT teaches you shit at all about the physical body. You know, I really think I am an adamant believer in going away and studying anatomy and physiology and self-reflecting deeply, 
on the movement practice and having a diverse movement practice before you can be good at teaching any any type of movement practice. Um, but thankfully I did the work the whole time. Mm. And so by that third year of teaching, I, I was really finding my groove. And now I would say like, I'm a pretty good teacher. Great. I would agree with that. Totally. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who have done the YTT yeah. and who didn't actually do it to become teachers, but to just deepen their own practice. Mad respect for people who do that. I yeah. highly recommend. They just care enough about yoga and have felt the benefits to the point where they've realized, Hey, I want to learn how to, you know, get better at this and also teach this. But that, look, that was my next question. Um, why do you think someone would finish their YTT and not go into teaching? Because, because it like, again, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good teacher and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be an effective teacher that you know enough to teach now. So it doesn't For really equip people, you with everything you, you, you may need. I think not. I, I really don't think so. Actually, I don't think so at all. But but here's the thing. For some people, they go away and and having that basic level understanding of the of, of, of the practice of yoga, they can do a lot with that, yeah. you know? But I, I, I personally have a very high standard for, for yoga teachers or, or movement teachers of all sorts just because within my body, I have so many misalignments and issues and I've dealt with chronic pain for, you know, three years minimum. And so I know a good teacher when I see one because a, a, my body will respond very quickly to to a teacher who isn't good at what they're doing. Mm. My body will be like, this flow doesn't make sense. This person doesn't understand fundamentally what they are doing with the body here. And, um, yeah, there's just very basic things like you need to warm up the body before you really get into it. And you need to, um, like counter movements with other type of movements. There's just so many nuances. And then also understanding like what you should be doing in which movement and why. And Mm. anyway, I could go on forever, but so contrary to be, to being able to feel when a teacher doesn't really know their stuff and it's just kind of going through what they've taught or what they're doing themselves. Uh, contrary to that, you can actually feel when a teacher does know their stuff. And I've been in many different yoga classes. And, and to be honest, I've probably been really lucky because every time I've done a yoga class with a specific teacher, it's been magically good. And I always end with the same feeling of union in my body. That kind of is a very universal experience though. And so I well, think that's great I, then. I think Maybe I've, it's just the practice. I think I've become a bit of an asshole when it comes to... You're a yoga snob. I'm, I'm, I'm a, yeah. No, I'm, an, I'm a movement snob. Yeah. I will judge every movement <laughs> practitioner, you know, from physios to personal trainers because I I look for something so specific. Yeah, well, unfortunately... But it's kind of like you in the music realm. I was realm. about to say that. Unfortunately, yes. I'm pretty much that in the music realm. Exactly. You, you break it down to such a fundamental level mm-hmm. that you just see through all the fluff and you, yeah. yeah, you can, you can find the meat of it in the substance. You can tell if something is at a professional high standard level within five seconds. Yes. I can listen to, you know, 30 seconds of a song, any song. And I can tell you if that guitar player who's playing on the record, I can tell you if he's good. Yeah. Now it's gets kind of tricky nowadays because, uh, editing and post-production stuff and what I consider, you know, what a good analogy to explain what I consider post-production is like um, the Photoshop of music. And so coming at the fitness industry from someone who, as you mentioned before, had chronic pain for what, how many years? Three years? Um, from 2017 to like 2021. 18, 19, 20, 21. What, what yeah, do you think? So like the start of this year is when I really came out of chronic pain. Wow. What do you think that 
the Photoshop or glamorized realm of say the fitness industry is doing for practices like yoga? See, this is this is a really difficult conversation to have because the yoga industry. What we do here, though. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> what true. do you mean? <laughs> the, the yoga industry is a really beautiful industry, but of course, it has that real. Uh, There's a superficial side to superficial it. Superficial side seen to it. it. It's I've also it. incredibly oversaturated, and you can go away for a month of yoga teacher training after having never practiced yoga before and become a certified yoga teacher. And that for me really shines through or people who are yoga teachers and they have no other movement practices. They have no real interest in fitness and health. They have no interest in anatomy and physiology and, and then they're becoming movement practitioners and they're talking, they're dealing with real bodies and they're affecting real physical bodies that are malleable and plastic. Mm. And um, so, so that kind of thing is, in that sense, in like a real technical proficiency and like professionalism stance, there is a real diluted um, part of the industry, but that's the fitness industry as a whole, because it's the same thing with like a good personal trainer and a shit personal trainer. Same deal after, you know, a little while you can become a personal trainer and not move well at all. Like that's Mm. not, doesn't really matter. But then you have this other side of it where it's like, but we're still taking the practices and we're taking like the fundamental practices and, and this, the spirituality and the, um, or the philosophy and the values. Mm. And we're taking that to people and we're showing that you can merge these beautiful holistic principles of living with a movement practice. Yes. And we're showing people that movement is an essential part of the spiritual process, which I think is a very beautiful thing. So many people don't practice like good yoga quotation marks, but mm. it still has a profound effect on their entire yeah, life. And that's what, what it's really about. You know, if you're there to like move the best that you possibly can in this lifetime, then you have to be very selective. But if you're there to reap the rewards of, like the philosophy and the mental health benefits and just mm. a little bit of the movement benefits, then you can go almost anywhere and get a really wonderful experience uh, for the most part. Yeah. The thing that actually drew me towards yoga uh, was the philosophy. I came into yoga through philosophy and I've, I'm have i yet to meet another person who went into yoga for the same reason. Most people I've met, unfortunately, and perhaps I haven't had this discussion with many people I know who do yoga. Most people I know do yoga for the mobility and for the physical aspect of things. Yeah. See, I know a lot of people who go for the mental health benefits. There's fantastic ones. Okay, so that's fair enough. But for me, it was very much this idea of union of the body, mind and spirit and a, um, an overall meditative approach to movement. And I came into physicality and movement in a very different way to you. And I came to this conclusion, but I'll come back to that later. I want to ask you one more question about chronic pain, okay? I think you having a very high standard as a movement practitioner, let's call you that, um, is really important because, as you mentioned before, you're dealing with bodies. That's a big deal. You can't just fly overseas, do 200 hours, and be equipped to deal with bodies. Yeah. At least I don't think so. No. Unless you're dealing with bodies that are very capable. This like with me, I... I don't have any trouble. But with someone like you, if I was to do 200 hours and then come and train you, holy shit, I might break your spine. Yes. This is, <laughs> this is how I wish the fitness and health industry would look at it. Jesse, you teach guitar. You've been playing for how many years? Jeez, like, Wow. Just realized how bad I am at math. <laughs> <laughs> um, about 16 years. There you go. And you play religiously. Like yeah. almost every fucking day. Yeah. If I get a chance to every day. Yeah. And you've also had teachers along the way. Maybe 12. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe more. You wouldn't want to go to a guitar teacher who started playing guitar a month ago. 
or even a year ago. No. Nobody would want that. No one would want that. Because that, that player wouldn't know enough. Yeah. And so I, I say this, I have this really snobby stance, but I say this as a movement practitioner who moved like shit in the first three years of their mm, teaching, mm. right? But I realized that along the way. Yeah. And I went away and I spent like, I lived in a gym. I lived in a physio clinic. I lived in an EP clinic. I lived with practitioners who, who taught me again, like how to move from scratch and like picked me apart. Like you're doing this wrong, this wrong, that wrong. You need to build it all up again. And I learned how to walk and sit and stand and flow all over again from scratch. And then I brought that into my teaching. And so that's so powerful. Yeah. Like making you, yoga more multifaceted through bringing in what the science is showing us to be superior movement. Well, see, this is the thing about yoga. Like at the end of the day, being able to do the primary series, like the Ashtanga primary series, or being able to do sun salutations or the, the asana that we know being asana able to means pose. poses, the poses yeah. that we know downward facing dog, warrior one, etc. Knowing all of that is not yoga. These are poses that can bring you into different states of energetic alignment within your, within your physical practice. But mm. you realize that you can bring yoga to a weightlifting session and you can bring yoga into the ocean when you're swimming. <laughs> exactly. This is what I've learned. Yes. Like you, yoga is is like a state of flow. It is the flow state. It is an introspective, self-reflective state. And it is a state in which you are channeling energy and you are aligning yourself within and outside of yourself. Mm. And so, yeah, that that's also what I try to bring into my yoga. Sometimes people ask me, what kind of yoga do you teach? And I'm like, oh, come find out. It's, it's no type of yoga. It's its own thing. It is very much its own thing. And that's why I love and hate your classes. because they're, <laughs> they're so damn hard. So true. I, I've been to powerlifting classes. I've been to high intensity interval training classes where by the end of it, there is not a millimeter of my body that doesn't have like a whole liter of sweat dripping off it. Like, holy shit. I've been through those kinds of things regularly. But I still say your yoga is much harder. And I can't really explain why. Perhaps it's to do with mobility. Perhaps it's to do with the way yoga targets different parts of muscle groups that traditional strength training and lifting and um, compound exercises don't necessarily do. I think it's also because I'm so nitpicky as a teacher and I make you put in, like, I squeeze 100% of effort no, out of don't. every single body in you front of me. You squeeze 110% yeah. out of everybody in front yeah. of me. Yeah, like, if, I wanna, if I'm asking you to flex your hip, you're flexing your fucking hip to the max. And you'll cue it in a way where not only do you, do you realize that you're flexing your hip, you've never flexed your hip like that before <laughs> ever. And you're like, whoa, I didn't know I could do this. And that's kind of one in every two poses. Even me as like someone who's done yoga on and off for years, we'll, we'll get into your class and suddenly we'll do a pose I've done 20, 30 times in my life or maybe even 100 to 200 times in my life. And we'll do that pose and be like, wow, I did not know this is how I was supposed to do that yeah. pose. No idea. Yeah. And that makes me realize and it, unfortunately it makes me into a bit of a snob because then I can recognize, well, what is the, I, would, I don't want to say correct, but perhaps slightly superior form of warrior two. And, um, I won't even try and explain what you did for my warrior two, but rather I will go ahead and explain a very crucial moment that you impacted me. And I've told you this before, maybe perhaps I haven't really stressed it enough, but the one day you told me, you, you taught me how to stand up properly. What a crazy thing that is. So so you learned that from from where? 
So I learned that from, from my movement gurus at the time who were my physios. I was working with like osteo slash physio slash exercise physiologists, um, just at a local physio clinic, mm-hmm. but they were, they were, um, and why'd you go there? They were, tr- uh, because I have, so the whole body chronic pain thing is that in t- 2017, I ended up with severe, severe back pain, which kind of was always there, but finally dawned on me once it didn't go away as a result of just hammering my body in martial arts six days a a week for like four to five years and then also starting to sit down and have like really lengthy meditations and for the first time delving into my meditation practice Mm. and at some point I was like oh shit everything hurts all the time and then I got sent to do an x-ray and found out I had like an s-curve scoliosis and what was the percentage of misalignment so the the, at at worst the top curve was a 38 percent and you know like yeah like so some people can need surgery at 40 right I don't know, something I've like that. I've heard that before. So some people oh. can make scoliosis work, you know, and, 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 but for me, because of the way I was hammering my body and because I had such a physical lifestyle now, and I, I was just demanding so much of my physical body, um, that I was just, the misalignments were really fucking me. Like they, they were really causing me so much pain and tension. They still do, but mm. I worked through a lot of it. So anyway, so I started seeing physios and stuff regularly because I just wouldn't take no for an answer. Like, no, I'm not going to stop moving. No, I'm not going to live in pain. Mm. Teach me what I need to do to realign my spine. Like my, that's of, really interesting. Yeah. So like, this was my whole thing. Like, I do not believe that I can, that I have to live with this now. Like I know that I can back off this curve to a certain degree or, or not even even that but like it's not even about straightening my spine it's about like realigning my body to work with what i've got as best as possible so it's i didn't want to like be held back by my body anymore i was like show me how i can make this work for me show me how i can move right and did you ever have a doctor or someone qualified tell you hey you'll never be able to do martial arts or you'll never be able to do um, yoga the way you want to so no but i had i had a couple practitioners and, and gps tell me that chronic pain is something that I'll always have to, that's something that I'll just have to live with. And what I find really interesting about like your perspective is, and this is just to quote you from two minutes ago, tell me what I have to do so that I don't have, don't have to live like this. Yeah. And that's, that's a really interesting attitude to take towards chronic pain. I really think that it's quite an uncommon one because a lot of people would suggest, Hey, you have pain, like don't aggravate it. Just stop doing it. And you're like, no, the answer is actually doing more, yeah. not doing less. Yeah. Why, how did you come to that sort of conclusion with chronic pain? Well, because I realized that I was still, so at the time I was not moving well, like I said, so I was mm. three years into teaching yoga or so. And I didn't like, I wasn't strong, you know, I wasn't strong and very visibly I was, I had, bad posture. I was quite kyphotic and what's kyphotic. Kyphotic is when you have like a bit of a hunchback type of posture, like, like neck forward. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. And, um, I couldn't lift heavy weights and like, I was just fundamentally weak and I, and, and I didn't move well. I wasn't very skilled. I wasn't very coordinated. Um, even though I was getting better, like a lot better for martial arts mm. and yoga. Um, but what I really got into at that point was strength training and strength training in many different ways. So everything from traditional strength training, to like functional patterns based stuff which is what my uh, movement practitioners were using at the time which really did a lot for me um which is like a whole different rabbit hole in itself but a very Mm. like functional dynamic way to move weights and um yeah just just um so going into that movement practice now and that's what led me into studying sport and exercise science because i was like this is everything 
this is everything, even within my spiritual practice, even within my creative practices, I understand that movement is fundamental to all of it. Mm. Because when I move better, I am better. For me to for me to unlock different skills and modalities within my body, I need to think differently. Like I need to literally change the way that I think, change the way that I act, change the way that I stand, change my posture, which changes my energy, which changes my state of being. Like it's just you can't do one without the other, you know, you can't affect the physical body without changing your mental and emotional states and everything else. And so that really became my path. And so I also wanted to take that into my own hands. I'm like, cool. Now I'm studying sport and exercise science. Cause I want to know, um, within myself, like what I need to do in order to be better in every single way and move better because movement is at the core of my being. It really is. And I've seen that since I've known you and you've always been active and I, and what I really, so something that I've really noticed as somebody who reflects on movement a lot is that when you grow up and you are, you are athletic and you are sporty or you are um, active in many different ways throughout your entire life, you are so much better off, right? Possibly. For yeah. the most part. I mean, again, I don't, I don't have your perspective except from you. So generally, yeah, I would say like you're probably less likely to have muscular skeletal conditions and whatnot. But see, even though I was active and sporty, I was also told I had a misalignment of my spine, scoliosis. Lo- apparently, 20%. A lo- most people it's have quite a common. I've heard, yeah, 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 yeah. Though I did tr- have to see a physio for some time, um, around the age of fifteen. I must have seen a physio for about a year, and I would go there and sort of get massage done and specific exercises that I'd do. Um, so, so even though I was sporty from when I was younger and extremely physical, it didn't kind of. I didn't, I didn't get to avoid any kind of pain. There was still pain there. I, I always say, like, if you do nothing, you're effed. And if and if you do the most that you possibly can, you're effed. Like, yeah, damned if you do, balance. damned if you don't. Yeah, yeah. So it's that balance, hey? Yeah. Sometimes not even. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But back to your chronic pain for a moment, because you were so young to experience chronic pain, what, between the ages of 18 and 21? Is that, is that correct? No. Oh, 21 and 24. So this was... 2017 and now it's 2021 and I'm 26. Okay. So we're talking 20, I don't know. You do the maths listeners. I'm not doing that. So (sighs) my question is, is that I remember a phase where not only could you not stand up without pain, but you couldn't sit down without pain. And so when, when you say chronic pain, I just want to stress like to anyone listening, like again, damned if you do, damned if you don't like, Okay, you're in pain from sitting, stand up. No, you're still in pain. Lying down, I remember, would hurt you. You would be at a point where you couldn't really do anything. And so I guess my question for you is how did you get from there to where you are now where you can teach yoga four to five times a week, swim in the ocean comfortably whenever you want, you know, do martial arts if you want. Like you, you have this capable body, but you couldn't stand up four years ago. Yeah. So, so I, I have a really high pain tolerance, first of all. And second of all, I have, I'm very fiery. And when I commit to something, I go all in. Right. So I was practicing yoga and martial arts so much without any breaks to the point where I had to dissociate from my body um, in order to hammer it as hard as I did. And I, to the point where I was like breaking toes and stuff like that and continuing to practice to do what I was doing, just ignoring injuries, ignoring injuries. And like, basically it got so bad 
like that one day I was forced to stop. That's what happened. My body was like, nope, that was the last, that was the final straw. Um, now you're effed. And so I had to actually stop practicing martial arts. To this day, I, I never truly went back to martial arts because my body just couldn't hack it and it can't and it never could. That's the thing. It never could. <laughs> but I just didn't know how to listen. I yeah. did Developing the, the ability to listen to your body and having body awareness is a lengthy process when you've been dissociated with your body for as long as I had. I also have a history of like self-harm. So, and dissociation. Yeah. And dissociation. So like dissociation was a really big part of it. So coming back to my physicality and reconnecting to my, to my body, that was forced into me through chronic pain, first of all. So I had to stop practicing martial arts and I also had to kind of stop practicing yoga for the most part even, though I was still teaching yoga, but that was really, really difficult. Um, but, but that's when I went deep into my physio stuff. And so I started doing strength training and stuff like that. And, um, what was the question again? Oh, how did I get from there to this? So, so yeah. Mm -hmm. So I went really deep into strength training and I started, this is where my anatomy and physiology journey came in because I was like scoliosis. Okay. What the F does this mean for me? Okay. What, what muscles are working? What muscles are not working? What muscles need to be working and what movements should I be working on? And what should we switching on when? And, oh, you've been this dominant when you should have been using that muscle and you've been, and you, you know that would like mess your brain up hey like that's a mental workout oh if my god that's when i started really having to break it down because like i wanted to commit to the path of movement i wanted mm. to keep moving and also i was really interested i found it all really interesting like ah yeah it started to like really energize me so yeah chronic pain was chronic pain was insane like honestly that during that period of time when i was in chronic pain like in and out of so much mental emotional turmoil from like yeah, being in pain all the time. I was like angry. I was moody. I was upset. Like I remember having to go to like functions or teacher trainings or whatever I was doing where I'd have to sit for prolonged periods of time. And I would, I remember one time like coming back from a Simon Borgalevier yoga anatomy and physiology training, amazing series of trainings. But on the, like the second or third day, I remember getting out of there, getting in, in the car and just like calling my mom or something and like sobbing on the phone. Like I was just sobbing my heart out because I was like, I was in so much pain all day that just, I could barely just concentrate. Sitting down? Just sitting Just having to sit. Just sitting through like a, a course. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Gosh. It was so rough. That's Only awesome. now can I really like sit on the floor. But so it like my whole life, my whole life became, where's your posture? Where's your posture? What, mm. How are you sitting right now? How are you moving? Every step I took was like, point your toes forwards. Don't point mm. them outwards, you know? Every time I stood, it was like, how are you standing? Every time I sit, it was like, how am I sitting? And I literally mean, like, that, that was a beautiful thing about my self-discipline. I thought about it all the time, nonstop. How are you breathing? How are you moving? How are you sitting? How are you standing? Because then everything that I was doing in the physio clinic, in the gym, in the yoga classes, I took to everything yeah and so i spent from like 2017 to 2021 really like rebuilding the way i walk stand sit move from scratch all over again and bringing awareness to every single facet of the process and that in itself is like a, like a crazy full body like journey of like feeling yourself literally creating these neural pathways and your like body is pinging and your brain's so like <laughs> lighting up and you're like, Oh my God, I've literally never felt this range of motion before. I've never felt this muscle switch on before. I've never done this with my body before. And like having that done over and over and over. And as I get strong, I'm like reaching new ranges of motion. And I'm, so this is why I'm like, even in my yoga practice, it really, it shines through where it's like, you don't necessarily have to put 110% of 
of your effort into every practice at every point in time. Actually, it's not sustainable. Yeah, it's not. But but also it's what gets results. And so that's why I really believe that like I don't necessarily lift heavy weights. It's not a part of my journey. Um, though I do love lifting weights and I do lift weights. It's a necessary part of my journey still. But um, I think that you can do the same yoga practice for like months and months and months and just keep gaining strength and then keep pushing your end ranges of motion and gaining more strength and then pushing those end ranges of motion and keep gaining, gaining more and more range of motion. Like to me, strength is in every range of motion and it's, and it's, and that's how I've ended up where I am now, where it's really like hyper reflecting on the whole process and and letting that drive my strength and conditioning journey and bringing it into my movement, like, and moving in as many ways as possible. So there was like traditional strength training and then there was functional pattern strength training. And then there was like home-based strength training and there was many different types of yoga. And then now there's swimming and there's dancing. And I went back to martial arts for a year or so in Muay Thai and, um, and yeah, Pilates, Pilates Pilates Mm. is a big, big one. And so first and foremost, one of my big principles is move in as many ways as possible often. Mm. And I always like play around and I'm doing dynamic movements and I'm exploring weird poses and I'm in that flow state. Um, And second, like moving well in every range of motion is strength to me. Um, And and being able to move my body weight as efficiently as possible. Um, And yeah, like committing committing to that practice because it does make you better that's a hard one for a lot of people is to is to go in with the hey i'm going to do this for the next for my whole life for my whole life because it really is a lifestyle change and it takes all of your effort Mm -hmm. it takes the most effort especially if you're at a phase where you're trying to learn how to do something that you haven't really done before or haven't done correctly before and then you're having to rewire yourself to actually realize hey like i should for example i should have my glutes pretty switched on when i'm doing a deadlift or something you know or sumo deadlift, brother. But anyway, I wanted to ask you one more question while we're on topic. How do you think the uh, spiritual development of your like mindset and rituals and connecting to source energy or what, um, whatever you do with Taro and whatnot, how has that progressed alongside your developing of your you know union of body? Like putting you. yourself back together. Beautiful question. Thank you for asking that. So I'm really... I worded that poorly. Sorry. Yeah, Please but, but poorly, extrapolate how you can. Yeah, poorly worded, but great question. <laughs> I gave you all the pieces. You yeah, just put it together yeah, yourself. I'll, I'll put it together. So, <laughs> so really beautifully, movement, like exercise, is what brought me to my spiritual part. Really, really beautifully. That's amazing, man. That's so bloody rare. And I am a very practically minded person, but that also has helped me keep it really grounded right because for me spiritual practice on a on a real basic form we channel spirit through our vessel okay no matter what we are locked in here on the third dimension we are flesh and bone we are made of all the microbes inside of our body we are made of our cells we are made of all of our tissues everything that we house this jiggling wiggling bundle of flesh that is the temple And my spiritual practice is as limited as my physical body is. So when it comes to my health, when it comes to the way that I move, that is directly related to the way that I think and the way that I feel, which is directly related to my ability to channel spirit. And so for me, that means my immune system, but also my strength, but also my cardiovascular capabilities, but also my mobility and flexibility, also my skill and coordination, also my adaptability, right? These are all physical skills, physical traits. And there's a lot that I haven't worked on. Like again, skill and coordination severely lacking. I'm still quite fundamentally weak in a lot of different parts of my body. But I know that as, as I get stronger in that sense, 
I need my nutrition to support me. And then I also need my immune system on my side. So I am taking rest and I am supplementing well and I am nourishing myself adequately. And then as I'm eating clean and gaining strength and mobility and skill and agility and adaptability and all of that good stuff, then I am more committed and I am doing it more frequently because you have to, you have to do it habitually. You need to do it frequently. You need to do it smart and you need to do it intelligently or same thing. And um, in that sense, my mind is looked after. My mental state is looked after. And because I'm making a habit of my physicality, then my moods are looked after, which means that emotionally I'm a lot more stable or at least I'm a lot more aware of myself mm. and my mood um, because it's integrated in this whole experience and then within that I am understanding that the more capable that I am on the physical plane the more capable that I am on the on the spiritual plane because I am limitless and I am infinite and I can always be better and get better and I have access to everything like me and my mangled body that was like not moving well and was so fundamentally fucked that I had no that had absolutely no foundations whatsoever I know that I'm going to be able to do a handstand in this lifetime and maybe not a backflip you know and so do a handstand i mean yeah but like like do it hold it be confident in it you know like that's one of my beautiful life goals and i know i'm gonna get there but also that brings me knowing of like how capable we really are and we just have no idea like nobody would have looked at me in high school and said that bitch is gonna end up studying sport and exercise science or doing handstands or doing handstands (laughs) or teaching people how to move like she is physically retarded you know totally not um politically correct language but then again we're not politically correct so whatevs but um so yeah like knowing that I am capable and I am infinite, but also knowing that like, for me, it that is inextricable from the spiritual path. And I guess I haven't really articulated how, but, but when you access those flow states of like no mind and pure connection with your body and stuff like that, when you really start channeling with your body and Jesse, I'm sure you would access it. I, I, no, I'm not sure. I know for a fact you access this when you are like really in your flow, when you're playing guitar something else starts coming through. Yeah, 100%. And, and this is when you can start to have revelations and out-of-body experiences and really um, holistic experiences where trauma comes out of the body or emotional processes start to come through or you have the capacity to shed and forgive and whatever, whatever. And it's when these more esoteric things start bleeding their way through your physical practices when you are open mm. and you realize like, shit, I am I am working on 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 the root chakra end of the energetic spectrum. Whereas like my crown is only as open as my root chakra is stable. You know, you have to work at it from both ends. For me, it's I think, not about- I think you do have to, however, most people don't. Most people could get lost in one or the other. Yeah, the people get stuck on the base physical plane or people get stuck with the spiritual woo In the clouds, yeah. Yes, and I'm always, I've always been naturally very open. I'm very open-minded and I believe in absolutely everything. And um, I love calling in big, magical, life-changing experiences, but I need to be able to ground and hold that big energy. Like I call... I call magnitudes of energy through my body. And I think that the stronger that I am physically, the more I can handle. So I don't need to go on these little trips where it's like, oh, I met this spirit guy today. Or like, oh, I connected with this energy. Like when I when I go into it, I'm like completely like flabbergasted by it. Like it I can I can handle more energy because I have trained my body to be a strong, effective conduit of energy. And energy is a physical thing. But it's also like a fundamental, essential, esoteric thing as well. Does that answer your question? Does that make it, sense? It, it answers my question. It brings okay. me a whole bunch of new questions. Cool. Ask away. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. So I'm perplexed by um, one thing that comes to mind when you say my body, uh, my ability to channel spirit is connected to how grounded my, my body is. And 
I agree with that. However, I've seen people um, channeling spirit who don't look like they have really, uh, who, who evidently don't really connect to their bodies. And I get perplexed by it. For example, there's a famous channeler, someone who channels deities and uh, beings who used to live on, on earth um, long, long time ago or some of them more recent. She channels them and she puts those, the whole sessions on YouTube. And sometimes she'll go live and she'll do trance channelings live and you'll see what's happening. And everything you hear in those sessions um, is life-changing. It's so divine and powerful. And if you, I'm not going to give her name away because if you're into channeling, just go read about channeling yourself. It's a real thing. Um, but the essence I get from her is that she's not physically active, mm. but she's so divinely connected and she brings the information back in a way that's so sustainable. So perhaps- You have those like big juicy psychic mamas that are fucking like love their pasta and pizza. Like you have those energies too. Yeah. And then you have also- Well, she actually has a thyroid condition. She's talked about this on, on um, one of her videos. Yes. And then you also have on the other end of the spectrum- monks who channel spirit all day every day and they're like empty they, yeah, fast they have a bowl of rice they, for dinner yes, once a week yes yeah. and they don't they don't need to do exercise and stuff yeah. like that you know yeah. but this is where for me personally i like to be very dynamic and i channel energy in very different ways mm. so i will call in big big experiences i'm I'm, I'm really like tiptoeing here but like um i will connect in really really big ways like if i if i plug in i want it all like lay it all on me and then and then when you're when you're really holding like strong like concentrated source energy we're not in the third dimension made like we're made limited for a reason it's because we're living out a certain fundamental part of source energy right because if we were to hold the truth of all truths within ourselves then we would there would be no reason to be there'd be nothing to work out well that would basically what you're saying in different words is that if you had figured out life and your soul was evolved yeah you probably wouldn't, I wouldn't be, be here. here on earth I because be you're here. here to grow and evolve yes. as a soul right but when you plug into the truth of that like the truth of cosmic essential energy your physical body feels like it's going to explode. So then how do you channel that? Well, I run and I stomp and I shift and I uh, move my hands and I do different things. Like, first of all, like I find that really physical way to channel big, dense energy, very, very effective where I can Mm. hold more when I'm better at moving it. So then, so like a lot of the times when I'm really deep in that like connected place or connected state of being, um, when I'm experiencing, you know, an altered state of mind, you'll see me like moving my hands and doing all of this, like, what would you call it? Like it's it's a a type of visually. It looks like kind of like a mix between dancing energy work and, like a much like faster sign language and, and tai, tai chi and it's qigong. Just, it's it's like, kind of free it's flow its movement. Thing. Yeah. Um, and also sometimes I like sprint or sometimes I like climb a tree. Like I've had mm. these moments where I'm like, oh mm. my God, this is too much to handle. Like I'm having a revelatory experience or like I'm holding a lot of energy. I have to like run it out or gotta whatever. Do something, yeah. I've got to do something. You're bursting with energy. Yes. But then also I channel that energy or like these truths or these moments or whatever into my art, right? Where I have yeah. to sit there for like 10 hours at a time and draw these and like intricate tiny yeah. dots and be meticulous. And so like that'll like ask a tattoo artist how they handle their body, right? Every tattoo artist is like slumped over all day, like a little hunchback. And like, they all have like neck and shoulder problems for the most part. Like, mm. cause I, I, I'm curious about the body aspect. So I look at them and I'm like, is your back fucked? And they're like, yeah, straight up. And I'm like, yeah, I, I would imagine so. You and know? physios too. Eh? And physios too, exactly. From massaging all day and stuff like that, unless they're like constantly moving to maintain what they need to do. So mm. there's that part of it too, where it's like, I'm a very high energy person seeking big experiences, trying to channel a lot of, 
energy through my body in different ways. Um, and then also like doing like creative practices and whatever, and like studying and stuff like that. So I'm always like deep in it, but then there's a third aspect where it's like, okay, but there's still those monks and there's still those like big psychic mamas, right. Mm. But they're doing like one type of energy work for the most part. They have their specialty and that works for them. And this is where I start to tiptoe a little bit when it comes to like the spiritual understanding of life, where I think like, okay, you're channeling and you're like the queen channeler and you're, you're creating such an impact and you're doing your Dharma in this lifetime. Like I fully, fully see and believe that, but that's also like, you're just in that square of the spiritual spectrum. And, and I really do believe that that kind of mind, like an unhealthy mind with, with like somebody who doesn't exercise and somebody who doesn't eat well and somebody who doesn't value movement does hit walls in their mind where like maybe they're too crown chakra open. So they're always in that psychic realm, but like what are they doing in their lifestyle? Do they have a beautiful garden? Do they have a clean home? Do they have a healthy family? Do they have good relationships? I don't know. And I, I would say that one of those, some of those things would be lacking. Do they have a strong, stable partnership? Do they have abundance? Do they have, you know, like this is where I... It's, it's a good point. Yeah. It's a good point. See, like, we, I don't know the answer to any of those questions yeah. for the people that are coming to mind right now. And then like the monk has shed his earthly attachments. So he doesn't need to eat and he doesn't need to exercise and mm-hmm. he can be a clean, clean, clear vessel, but he also doesn't want to go away and do like three uni degrees and he doesn't want to go away and create a shit ton of art and he doesn't want to go and challenge his body every second day do you know what i'm saying yeah so 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 what you're saying is ultimately you do as much work on all aspects of yourself as you need and if you want to specialize in channeling and that's where you devote all your energy to then you don't necessarily have to go and become a fitness expert and learn how to run and move well but i am trying to specialize in unlocking my full capacity in every single sense. And that's your purpose. Yes. You you truly believe that's why you were born, right? Yes. Is is unlocking like like accessing the highest element of physical well, movement. Being the best that I can be in a nutshell. That for me is it. Being the best that I can be, moving the best that I possibly can, eating the best that I possibly can, speaking the best, having the best relationships, being the best friend, being the best daughter. To me it's all intertwined. For me to be all of those things to have such such multifaceted goals i need to be a multifaceted human and i need to on a base level like take care of it all and move in every single way and be ultimately moldable adaptable and Mm. capable Mm. because to me like yeah on that base level being fully capable on a base level is expressed through your physicality i hear that yeah i hear that and i very much valued movement from a small child all the way through high school it's helped me through some of the hardest times in my life and it so has for you I, hasn't it like yeah like, like i really i really resonate with trying to be the best you can be and working on every aspect of yourself that you've been gifted the opportunity to work on yeah. and i believe that you know i write better music after i've worked out or after i've swam in the ocean or i believe that i become better at my purpose through accessing you know or making my body better and you're somebody who's always fundamentally you know, on some sort of even subconscious level known that, that physic that physical activity will aid your mental state, right? Absolutely. You used to do that yeah. for yourself throughout HSC years, throughout high school. Yeah. Could I think you share I realized, a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. I think I mainly realized how beneficial it was probably at 14. So year eight. Um, and that was because my older bro was a personal trainer. Yeah. He walked into my life saying, oh, after not seeing him for like a, uh, some time, he came back saying, yo, do you know that you can 
get muscles now that you're 14 and you're growing up and and i was like whoa cool and he showed me like this magazine and i was like whoa how does he get muscles like oh well he does push-ups and chin-ups and i was like i want to do push-ups and chin-ups so it, it was really exciting to me it was like a fun new toy and I ended up going out and buying a couple of fun new toys, like through having a job at that age, I was able to buy like a little chin up bar. Uh, I don't know if I bought some push up grips or maybe some just like cheap weights or whatever. But that was how I started my, my journey with conscious physical movement. Before that, I was into extreme sports, which some would argue is a little more intense and much higher risk than lifting a dumbbell up and down. I was skateboarding for like 12 years, probably from the age of maybe seven or eight until about 16. Yeah, 16, 16. Oh yeah, that's actually completely right. And I became really good to the point where I, I wanted to go professional. I was loving skateboarding and I was doing things that even to this day, I was like, how the hell did I do that? Like what the fuck? Like why did I go and jump down that many stairs? And you, I've got videos of me stacking it, but you, you learn how to fall in a way that you just don't, hurt yourself i don't know it's it's an art and i didn't understand what the hell i was doing or how i was doing it and you know i still have battle wounds i've got cuts scars I've got fake, a, a tooth. fake tooth yeah. i've had my face split in half yeah. um i've literally got all these battle wounds from it but i loved it so much and i think it taught you so much about like adaptability and capability and fearlessness and courage and the flow fearlessness state. Fearlessness for sure. The, the flow, flow state, state before. And it's actually funny you said the flow state because I moved from skateboarding into guitar playing, yeah. which is very much about flow state, and at least the way I do it. Yeah. And then I also moved in, in between those two. I did martial arts for three years. Yeah. And that was about flow state yeah. as well because what I enjoyed the most was sparring. Yeah. And, you know, for you, maybe a part of getting into that real valuing fitness as a part of your life was partially superficial, right? Like, oh, big muscles. I can do that for myself now. Like I can look better and stuff. But Unfortunately, I really, yes. That's exactly no, right. But I really value that because that's also a way to understand that you've got to work for what you want. And I don't think enough people realize how much physical activity can do for you and your ability to to work hard and to mm. be disciplined and to get shit done and to create something for yourself. Because for me, like the capability of getting stronger and feeling progress within your body just, just did so much for my self-esteem, for my self-confidence, for my strength of character, just for every positive aspect of myself. When I am moving well, when I am moving gracefully, when I am strong, when I am skillful, when I am coordinated, you feel all of that in your everyday life. And mm. so if you are feeling lacking in your energy, if you feel like you you miss that fire, that push, that grind, that capacity to just go out and get, you know, move. Because you can't bring any of that into movement or you will not progress. To progress within your body, you need to push your edges. And, and I really think that pushing your edges is a really big part of life. I've always been an edge pusher, first in my mind and now in my body, you know, and then now both side by side. But I want to see what's on the other side of that. I want to see how far I can push myself and how, how deep, like when you force yourself to go out of your own comfort zones, life doesn't force them for you. Do you know what I'm saying? So 100%. there's so much you can work on that is, that, that, that physicality or physical activity is a metaphor Four. Mm. And that's why it's just it's just a part of everything for me. I never used to correlate a growth in like physical uh, capability 
with, uh, say, a heightened spiritual experience of the world. I came in through having a sound understanding of like physical, um, the, the body and physical movement uh, and moving in lots of different kinds of ways just because I enjoyed to. And then I found spirituality later, uh, not through yoga, but I ended up coming back to yoga after having found spirituality. Did yoga help you link movement and spirituality? Well, and that was what I was about to say, yeah. like 100%. That's okay. exactly what it did. And now I can, it's funny, like sometimes I'll be lifting weights and I'll be supersetting my uh, like weightlifting exercise yeah. with a yoga pose, yes. a, like a, a strong hold yoga pose. And people look at me funny. And I get it, man. I get it. I'm on the gym floor next to people who are, you know, com- competitive bodybuilders hogging a machine because I'm trying to see how, you know, engaged and long I can hold my Warrior 2 for or whatever. Um, low lunges, actually. I do a lot of low lunges. They help me a lot because I do a lot of sitting nowadays. So it's it's kind of, a, again, it's this flow state thing. Like, as you mentioned before, like when you're channeling a lot of energy, you tend to move your arms in like wavy, fun, patterny ways, which feel feel nice for you but and that's not necessarily that's just one way that i that's do one way and i've seen it and but if it, and i'm it having a ho- heavy conversation or something with someone and like they're in a, like a difficult place and i'm dropping a lot of shit on them i will keep it moving with the hands i'll be like mm, moving mm. it away like oh i can see that you're struggling i'll move that away i dropped a heavy one on you let me help us and that's great. energy work that's energy work that's really energy work yeah. um but i would also say it's helping you stay in flow state because you're literally flowing with your body yes and your body is like your preferred way to connect with spirit and i mean for me when i do channeling or when i do anything you know like very deep and esoteric and ritualistic i sometimes depending on the day i sometimes need to start by guitar improvisation because that's what connects me to some kind of ethereal voice some kind of voice that is given to me and when you unlock your instrument enough, in the same way that when you unlock your body enough, you can do more and you can now lift more weights or hold poses longer and with more engagement. In that same way, you can also um, take your instrument and use it as a as a vessel to, to you know, release what's gifted to you, to, 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 to just move with your fingers in a way with whatever you're hearing in that moment. And that's that's a skill. But when I do that, I connect to that voice and then I can put my guitar down and then that voice is still there. Mm. And my first ever channeling session, I'll never forget it, but it was right after I was doing guitar stuff. And it was one of those moments where I realized, holy shit, where are these melodies coming from? Like I'm playing all these melodies, I'm playing all these notes in a specific order. It's either catchy or it's either technical, but when it's really pure, it's not too technical, it's just harmonious and when it's melodic and almost soulful it's something that i'm you know passing through me as every artist would say and that's that's the same voice i believe to some extent that could be related to the same voice that these divine spiritual ladies are are channeling and you know not just making a career out of but actually helping the world with yeah Yeah, I totally hear that. And look, there are so many artists that are doing God's work through their art, right? Mm. Who who create art that is just absolutely, it hits you at the soul level. But they're like most, a lot of artists have really unhealthy lifestyles. Like they're little nighttime den creatures and stuff like that. But this is where I would say that I'm not just targeting my work and my creativity. I'm targeting everything, right? So I would argue that the most 
beautiful, profound artist in the world who doesn't have a strong like movement practice or eats, eats shit food or smokes cigarettes or does whatever, whatever, doesn't have a great relationship with their partner or doesn't have a great relationship with their family or doesn't have uh, like a, a solid connection to nature or do you know what i'm saying like i am totally do. i am looking at the full spectrum man it's, yeah i don't yeah, want yeah. any one thing to be ignored i want to be financially stable i want to be like abundant in terms i want to be have, abundant have good relationships i want to have good relationships emotionally healthy i want to be smart confident. i want to be confident yeah. i want you know i want you want all of it i want all of it like because so i know you got to work on all of it. exactly so, so i've got to sense. work on all of it so that is why for me like people say like, but do you need to do? And like, why don't you just relax? And why don't, and it's like, no, no, no. Like you don't understand. You like, know what my goals are. <laughs> I want more. I want more. Yeah. I want as much as I can get. That's out a of growth mindset. And that's super healthy. Yeah. And honestly rare, but also really um, amazing to yeah. see. So I don't think everybody needs to move as much as I do. And like delve as deeply into the movement rabbit hole as I am in. But I think that you, you use movement as your plunger. It is the ultimate plunger, man, because you go for one ocean swim and, you know, like for me, I've been swimming a couple days every week and the way that I'm unlocking my, my, my body in the water with like my breath and my connection to the element of water and like moving and feeling strong and flying in the water, I walk away from that like I am unstoppable and mm. I feel incredible, but I'm like grounded and connected as well. And like, yeah. it's just, it. I don't know, man, nothing shifts it like movement. Nothing shifts it like getting out there and moving your body in nature, especially connecting to the physical world. And, you know, we're again, we're creatures in the third dimension. Like we are supposed to be somatic and we're supposed to move and flow and be strong. Like we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be healthy and capable. We're supposed to be mobile. We're supposed to, everyone has an, a natural inclination to move well in a certain type of movement. So like figure out what that is and fucking Go hard in it, man, because it'll make whatever you do better. I agree. I agree. One thing I learned from Shaman Durak, actually, he has an amazing podcast. If you haven't checked him out, he's incredible. What's um, his podcast called? I forget the name. It's, that's why I didn't mention it. But okay. if, you, if you Google Shaman Durak, that's D-U-R-A-K, he's a modern shaman. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's amazing. And one thing I learned from him um, through you know the years of listening to him, actually, that's the very first thing I learned from him that you know kept me listening to him. Is he said that shamanism is all about relationships and your relationship to everything. And so what you said earlier very much aligns with like the shaman's perspective of life. And if you you know like you were mentioning like if you you know are very connected to the psychic plane and are constantly channeling, but you you might don't move so much. Perhaps you don't have good relationships with money or your body or friends or I don't know. I don't know what it is, but we can't, we can't assume that for them. We really can't. However, um, I do assume it's fair. It's look, look, if you look at like what uh, Eastern body, Western mind is saying, or, or any of the chakra books, like they very much say that, you know, if you're insecure, um, you, you lack energy flow in your, root chakra so yes it's very you know and then, then the same with like you're feeling guilty or ridden with burden like you uh, and have unhealthy emotions well you like energy in your sacral chakra so it's not wrong to assume that because there is lots of information to support that however um when it comes to relationships that that's a really holistic way to see yourself in relation to everything else 
And I'm very much as above, so below, as within, so without. I mm. really bring everything back to my relationship with my world is completely reflected within myself, with my relationship to myself. Because I am a little walking, talking galaxy living in a big, big walking, talking galaxy, mm. you know? So. And so if you love yourself, you'll do things that's good for yourself, right? And the more that I do good for myself, the more that I can do good. For this walking, talking galaxy. Yeah, exactly. And that's all. So move your body, peeps, move it and um, find the way that you love to move. Oh yeah. Everybody has one, man. Figure it out. If it's not weightlifting, it's dancing. If it's not dancing, it's yoga, but it might be surfing. It can be, you know, try extreme sports. They're yeah. so fun. Yeah. Go, go weird with it. If you can't find it, get weirder. And don't be Zumba. afraid to be a beginner. I started from scratch. You started from, no, no, no. You didn't start from scratch. You started from like reverse scratch. Yeah. I you had, were like, if you started zero, you were like at minus 45%. I literally had to learn to walk, <laughs> walk, stand and sit again. Yeah. Like if that's, that's not. You that's know. not scratch. Scratch is you know how to walk, stand and sit. Yeah. So <laughs> you got to realize you're way before scratch. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid to look like an idiot at any age because it doesn't fucking matter. This is about you and you deepening your relationship with yourself and your world and everything beyond it as well. 